and welcome to the Wolves Report. I'm Ryan Lester and thank you for joining us for episode 86. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about the Brentford, the Brentford game. We're going to look back at last night's draw. I'm currently waiting for Chris. I'm a bit anxious. I don't know where he's gone. I'm going to give you the Brighton match analysis, the latest in the transfer window, take your questions and look ahead to that game on sun, late on Sunday morning. Um, from technical difficulties, I don't know where Chris is. I don't know what he's doing. Is he had a, an extra course or an extra pudding, Nucky? I do not know. But Nucky, um, let's get straight into the show. Plenty to talk about. Uh, Nucky, our resident club captain, we're waiting on our director of football. Nucky, take us back to last Tuesday evening in the FA Cup third round replay, where it finished Wolverhampton Wanderers 3, Brentford 2 after extra time. Yeah, I think from a neutral point of view, it was a pretty good game. Um, yeah. I think we made it a lot more difficult than we needed to. It was one of those where you felt that if we scored first, we'd probably take the game away from them. Um, and they were sitting very deep. They, they didn't have too much in the way of ambition. They didn't really want to attack us. But we, when you're playing against a team like that, the last thing you want to do is give them a head start. And we did that. It was a really poor goal, I felt. Um, but, you know, we, we worked really hard. We, we were relatively organised. I don't think we, we gave them a great deal. But we gave away a sloppy goal, got ourselves back into it, give away another sloppy goal. And I felt the defensive line just wasn't quite right. Um, and then, you know, Nathan Fraser comes on, scores a fantastic equaliser. And, and from there, we, I felt we had a little bit more control in the game. Then we seemed to settle down a little bit, take a grip of it. Couldn't do the job in, in normal time. But then in extra time, we won a penalty, which was... Um, oh, here he is. He's normally on at one minute two, so one minute past him, bud. Technical issue, it's all right. And I thought, I thought in extra time, we... we we controlled it relatively well. They still pose a little bit of a threat on the break, but we, we were a better team. And, and the penalty, I'm, I mean, I've not really seen a replay of it in all honesty, but at the time I was sat with Chris and we both thought it looked incredibly soft, but plenty of them have been given against us this season and, and Cunha's took it away really well. So it was, um, it, it was kind of what I was expecting. I thought it would be tight. I know a lot of people kind of thought we'd blow them off the park, but I think when you're playing a team who sits so deep and, and don't really want to attack you, it's always going to be a challenge to break them down, especially the way we play, because we like to get in behind, we like to work the channels and, and find that little bit of space. They've done the homework on us, probably because they've played us so often in the last few weeks and and they kind of starved us of space and we, we just couldn't kind of work our way into the game. The midfield wasn't wasn't as snappy as you'd like. But, you know, we found a way to win it and I think that's a mark of a good side if, you, if you're not playing particularly well, but you find a way to win the game. Good evening, Mr Tyler. Thank you for joining us. Um, taking your uh, memory back to last Tuesday where Wolves won 3-2 in the replay. Um, not going to spend too long on this because I want to talk about last night and preview what's happened in the weekend. But obviously going through was the main thing. But the most encouraging thing for me, again, was we were losing twice in the game and yet Wolves have still managed to turn it round. Yeah, and... I'm sure Nocky might have covered it. I think what also was pleasing was we weren't great. We didn't play very well, but we found a way to win. Um, positive substitutions. You know, Fraser, I mean, he had a five, ten-minute spell where he looked he looked like Harlem reborn. Didn't he, Nocky? He was brilliant. He, he went a bit quiet after that, but I think they just found a way to win, and I think that's what we're starting to see now a little bit, that we questioned at the start, admittedly, didn't we, with with Gary and his plan, but there's different ways of playing now, I think, and, and there's different ways of skinning the cat, isn't there? Last night was a very different performance to the one we saw against Brentford because there were different games and different opposition. And yeah, to answer your question, the fact we came back twice was um, probably was the most encouraging thing because we've all been here before and said, if Wolves go 1-0 down, you might as well go home. That's how we were talking yeah. sort of, you know, past seasons. But we said last night, didn't we, not going to know you're going to come on to the game. But the, we've talked about it again. There seems to just be something brewing again. There's, there's something building there. There's an obvious team spirit. There's an obvious togetherness. Players are disappointed now if they're not playing or they're being subbed off. And, and that's what you want to see, a bit of healthy competition. So, just one of those. Get through. We just had to get through, didn't we, with, with what's coming up the weekend. And, um, yeah, they found a way. And, and I'm pleased for Fraser because... He didn't get his chance last night, and I thought he might do, but took his goal really well and, and was unlucky not to get over. So fair, fair play to him, yeah. And great link up for the uh, in the build up to the penalty as well. I think it was his trying to sort of feed Neto in as Neto running there. And Nucky, just finishing off on the Brentford game before we move on to last night. Brentford were winning that tie on three separate occasions and still have gone out of the FA Cup. 
That saying that sounds like what would happen to Wolves in the past, but just finishing off from what Tyler said, the character of this side now, they just keep going. They don't know when they'll be. I was at Brentford with Tyler. You're a, you're a goal down, you're a man down, you're thinking the worst, but it seemed to bring out the best in Wolves over the two ties, being a goal behind. Yeah, I mean, we, we've started the season, we were capitulating, we were falling apart and we conceded a goal and he's worked his that out of the system. He's put the confidence in, he's made them believe in what they're doing. I think everybody knows their job and that's the most important thing. Everyone's playing in their comfortable position. They know what they need to do. They know the minimum requirement and, and they know what everyone around them is capable of as well, which is, you know, when you're playing regularly, you've got the same sort of players all the time. You just build up an understanding and, and there just seems to be a, a happiness there. They seem happy to be at the club. They seem like they want to be there. They seem like they're in, enjoying it and, and they, they want to do well. And, and it feels like it's, it feels like it's kind of linked together a little bit now. You know, we sort of, we lost it a bit under Bruno Large. I don't think we ever felt completely linked with him. Lopetegui came in and did a, you know, we did a really good job, but it was always bubbling under the surface that potentially we were a stepping stone. He was looking for, a, you know, the next move forward. Whereas O'Neill's come in and he's, he's, he's got that team spirit back. He, you feel like he, he wants to be, he wants to be here for the long term. He's just, he's connected the fans again. And, and I think it's, you know, you, you can't overestimate exactly what he's done this season because it's been where we are in the league is, is, is pretty remarkable, as we said before. And, and the way that we, we're tactically attacking each game now without, you know, we can, we can manipulate each environment. We're not looking to play one way. And we did that under Nuno a lot. We played one way because we knew it was effective. Whereas O'Neill's kind of looking at each game individually and planning how we can, how we can attack it and finding different ways to, to win football matches and get points. And it, it's, it's, it's a really interesting way of, of playing this season. It's so different to what we used to in the past and it's, it's working for us. Yeah, absolutely. Just one final thing for both of you, a quick fire question. If Wolves hadn't have gone into extra time on Tuesday night and Pedro Neto got those minutes in his legs, would he have started last night? I think so. Yeah. I think the plan was always for him to start last night. Yeah. I think it was due to start at some point. You can't, can't keep bringing him on for 20 minutes, half an hour. At some point, he's got to get those minutes in his legs. But he, what, did he play nearly 90 last night? And that's a yeah. massive isn't it? Yeah, I think that extra that extra 30 minutes probably did us a favour because obviously we, it's it's keeping, I know it's a long time in football and you don't want any players getting injured, but I think that extra fitness and particularly with having a little gap between games, Wolves haven't really had a bigger gap as other teams. So to get those mm. minutes into players' legs, particularly more minutes for um, more minutes for Neto and anyone else on the, on the periphery of the team, it, it's a really good thing. Um, Tyler, moving on to last night, um, your take on Brighton Hove Albion nil, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil? Um, 50% delighted and 50% a little bit frustrated that we haven't nicked it, to be honest. And I didn't think I'd be sat here saying that. The record against them, as everyone knows, is horrendous. We were scratching our head, weren't we, locker before the game, trying to think about when we had positive results against them. And I think we all had a bit of a sneaker, though, didn't we? We, we spoke all before the game and I think we all felt like we've said, this is a, a different Wolves now, I think. And Gary got it. I mean, we've all criticised him, Docker, as much as anyone. But last night, he got it absolutely spot on, I thought. And I was just really encouraged by how we approached the game. I was encouraged by how we managed the game in play. I was encouraged by the substitutions because they were like for like. They were positive. Um and yeah, like I said, just a, a little bit disappointed to not win it because Brighton had all the ball, especially first half. I think they had over 70% possession, didn't they? But the chances fell to Wolves. The clear-cut chances were ours and, and it's disappointing. And on, on another day, you know, Neto scores at the near post. Kuna gambles and has a tap-in. You know, Kuna at the, the start of the second half, they're good chances. They're really good chances. And I'm not going to be negative at all because I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought we were excellent. And like I said, a bit disappointed to not win it, really. You're watching and listening episode 86 of the Wolves Report with Mark Knott, Chris Tyler and myself, Ryan Lester, currently discussing Wolves' draw, nil-nil draw with Brighton and Hove Albion. Knocky, it's it says how far Wolves have progressed recently when Tyler, and I'm agreeing what, completely agreeing with what he says, that we're, we're talking about the fact that we're frustrated that we didn't pinch it at the end because Wolves the better team. What what does that say for the progress under Gary O'Neill? 
I think it shows that he's a, his attention to detail is really impressive because we played him earlier on in the season. And I, I don't think they were much better than us earlier on in the season, but they it's were absolutely ruthless. Yeah. And we left spacing behind us. We let them play and we let them attack us from the wide positions. And and we went there last season. We got we got done 6-0 and really open, really poor. He, he really, you could tell he studied that first game at Molyneux because everything yeah. they were really good at. We shut them down. We we didn't let them get us in the wide position. We got back into our shape as soon as we turned over possession. It was it was a solid, rigid back line that you know held firm. And Doherty was, I think, it was quite important in the game because he held his line well and he just gave us a little bit of extra stability. It was just a, it was a really organised. And I said after the game, it was a workmanlike display. And by that, I mean everyone knew exactly what they had to do and it was executed perfectly on the pitch. No one tried anything they shouldn't have done. You could see, you know, even from the attacking point of view, as soon as we lost that ball, the possession was turned over, bang, they all dropped back 10 yards and supported the midfield into attack. It was just a really, it was a really intelligent, thought out delivery of a performance. And, and as Chris says, you know, Neto gets down to the byline, fizzes one across the face of goal. Cunha, he's probably done the right thing, trying to hold on the space on the edge of the, of the six yard box. Neto's probably done the right thing, fizzing it across the face of goal. It's just unfortunate they were, they both did the right thing, but at the wrong time, you know, he, any other day he carries on his run, he taps it in and Lamina's had an effort. We've we've had, I'd, I'd say they've had most of the ball, they've had most of the play, but in terms of actual chances, there's a big argument Wolves should have pinched that game last night and had, and had three points out of it. But it's a mark of how far we've come. I mean, they're, they're, they're a really good side. You know, every version of them you play, they hold the ball really well. They're... they're they pass with intent. They're always looking to break your lines. They're always looking to, to bring you out of position and attack you. And, and they're such a, a good, fast-flowing team. But I don't think we gave them anything. I mean, Sars probably had what... He's had the one that we cleared off the line. And then we've had Kilman at the post himself. And it was... The, the lad was offside anyway. And it was... You know, I don't think we left them anything. And normally when we're playing against them, you've got Gross is ripping us to pieces. You're getting peppered usually, yeah. You're normally <laughs> getting peppered. But we just... We were just solid in our shape. And as we said, it, we could well have pinched that game. I don't think there would have been much of an argument if we had. What was really interesting to me was, because every game under Gary, he approaches every game slightly different with the tweaks. But what was really interesting to me, Tyler, was there was a slight tweak, and I'm not just saying it's because it's you, but quite often in the game, I saw Toti Gomez pressing his man and squeezing him. And he was almost in midfield at times. So I'm just highlighting him as one, but... It was such a rigid defensive performance when no player was allowed to turn. I know Kilman got caught out once when he got booked. Um, I think that was in the, sec- uh, in, the, in the second half when he was playing um, against Joe Pedro. But other than that, Wolves didn't get caught. They were aggressive. They were sleepy. Mm. Just frustrated Brighton. And they looked like a lot of ideas at the end. Yeah, I, I think I think Brighton had a bit too much of the ball in the first half than I think he would have liked. But look how it changed second half. Second half totally nullified them. You're right, they ran out of ideas, Brighton did. It got into stoppage time and they were passing it about, but they were clueless, basically, weren't they? They, they didn't have a way of getting through us. And what was great was how... not We weren't open first half, that's not fair, but there were gaps between the lines, weren't there, a little bit. But second half, that totally got nullified and we were excellent. And yeah, you're right, Toti, in that role, it works for him. And, and you know, I'm not his biggest fan, but in a way, when the game's a bit simpler for him, He's a better player. He knows what his role is there. If someone goes, I'll follow them and I'll try and win the ball off them and, and that's fine. He's good at that. Um, I thought the back three were very good. They were a bit more streetwise. They were a bit naughty when they had to be. Um, like I said, I, the only critic I would have, and I don't want to have a negative, was was, was SARS distribution again. I think apart that was from gonna that... Be, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> you know I'm always going to bring something up, but apart from that, you you cannot fault anyone. And what I liked about it, there were good performances, but no one was really outstanding, but no one was not at it either. It was a real mm. good, like Nocky said, a real good solid... I would say Sarabia was the only player that was off it. He was off it, but I like the fact he didn't. his head didn't drop. He no, he kept on. going. He added value to that team. I think... Before, he's been a bit sulky or he'd have totally disappeared from the game, but he kept showing for it. He did his defensive duties. You're dead right. His distribution was shocking and his touch was as well, but he didn't stop at the same time. So that's the minimum you'd ask, but it, but they're all doing it now. Like Nocker said, they're all playing for each other. Just on the subject of the goalkeeper, and I know we'll do performances after this, Nocky, but the one big difference I noticed between the teams was how good the Brighton keeper was. 
with his distribution. It was like having a comfortable centre midfielder playing at the back. I know he took risks. I think it was a bit close sometimes, but that's their philosophy and that's what they do. How much would Wolves benefit of a footballing keeper like that? Would that suit us now or is, not, is that not really that important? I think it would suit us, but Saar's got some qualities of his own, hasn't he? I mean, there's not many better shot stoppers in the league than Joe Saar at the minute. And I think it's a... I think keepers should be better with their feet. I think that's you know the game's changed now. I don't think there's any excuse for some of the some of the distribution that we've we've seen when the ball's getting thumped out of play and and he, I just he's not great in that in that area. Is it's something that definitely needs to be worked on. But at his age, are you really going to change that? So you, maybe there's a decision to make down the line. But I wouldn't swap their keeper for ours. Is probably what I'm getting at. I was I'm quite comfortable that Sar was all round a better goalkeeper, but the distribution piece is is a bit of a concern. Yeah, it is a concern. Um, overall, though, Tyler, it's it's another massive step forward. I mean, I tweeted about our conversation that we had pre-game that I kind of I wasn't resigned to it because Wolves have always got a chance and you always back your team. But this is a point that we'd have all taken way before the game. It's, I don't think anyone would have said if you're offering your nil-nil at Brighton, we'd have all taken it. Brighton scored every home game. I think the last time they didn't score at the Amex was in March. And yes, they've got players out, but Wolves have got players out. What a credit to this side for stopping one of the most frequent home scorers. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget that the players out probably walk into our first 11, don't they? I think there's going to be a big decision around Gomez and Doyle coming up for only... But the other two definitely getting... Eight and all in you're in your team every single day of the week. So... We're missing players, but they're key players. I, I think Eight Norby is borderline irreplaceable. I, I don't think you can. And I mean, Fang has gone full circle, hasn't he? You know, he was probably the one player last night that probably would have got on the end of that cross or would have got the finish that we were looking for. And who'd have thought would have been saying that at the start of the season? So they're big misses, but Brighton had big misses as well. You know, they their best player wasn't there, and you can only play and beat what's in front of you. And it's, as we said, we've said all season in the podcast, though, it's not only you don't have 11 good players and a couple of names, it's, it's, it's a squad game now, and it's very rare the same team plays every week, especially now with the 16. You know, you, you can use five subs, it's not 11 players anymore. And, um, it just like I said, yeah, Doherty, I mean, Doherty's had stick, hasn't it? I think from a certain member of this podcast, but right, both, both of you, really. <laughs> um, and you know, let's be honest, there's as a seasoned Premier League backup fullback, you're not going to get. Many he did very well. He did. He did very, very well last night. He's he not expecting to start games, I don't think. But when he comes in, I don't think he's let us down. No, he's he's, um, he's, he's done okay. I just I, I, I say, and I know we talk about it on the group chat, and we have and we have a debate about it. I just I, I prefer the balance. I think your most natural wide players that offer that need to be on their natural foot, and I think. The rest of his game was really good, but because he's not left-footed, he quite often has to cut back and start again. And that's not his fault. I get that. Defensively, and particularly in the air, he has been very, very good. I just think we lose that flow that ain't Nori or an old Bueno when he was on form would give us yeah. that natural left-footer that would have that ball down the line. We've, we've kind of lost that, but that's and that's, that's not Doherty's fault. And that's why I think he ain't Nori's the hard, hardest one to replace. And it's just a shame that Bueno, for whatever reason, just form or injury or confidence something's gone hasn't it so um but you know fair play like you said there's people missing but everyone has come in and stepped up and, and that's all you can ask for absolutely there's a real squad feel at the moment yeah knocky i think i was just going to jump on, on that i think the the doherty piece is another nod to o'neill as well because i don't i've been you know picking up some interviews today from what gary o'neill was saying there was a really interesting piece before the game and he was talking about how brighton would leave us one-on-one in defensive areas a lot and that happened three or four times. He's, he's he's done his homework, and I think he identified that Doherty on that side would give us a little bit more stability. Because mm. in my head, I kind of had a suspicion Toti might drop wide, and then we keep Santiago Bueno in, and we played mm. Toti as almost a wing back. That was kind of where I thought he might go, and I think that that was would have been a viable option. But he's obviously identified, and he does this because he looks at the players that are going to be against you that. Doherty is the right man to be in that position because of what he brings in. So it may be completely different in the next game. You might think that Hugo Bueno or there's an opportunity that Aitken Nuri could potentially be back against Man United, but he'll look at it and he'll, he'll identify who's the best player for that for that role. And I think that's a real, it's a really important point that he's doing his homework on teams. And, and it was effective last night because, as we've said, I think Chris said it's March since they've had a, a goalless 
you know, they haven't scored at home for Brighton and we've managed to do that. We've we've Doherty playing in the back line. So every decision he made, every single decision, whether it was substitutions or the starting eleven or the tactically were right last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what's really interesting before we go into going through the, the team review, what's really interesting for me is we've we were worried about Mario Lamina. Tommy Doyle stepped up, Wolves are winning games, we're worried about Aik Nori, Matt Doherty stepped up. Huang's Huang's been away. We thought we we're going to miss his goals. I mean, we've I'm not saying anyone's particularly stepped stepped up in there, but we've not missed those players as much. I wouldn't say we've missed them, we wouldn't be better without them, but Wolves haven't lost a game, so that's credit to the squad and the belief and everyone taking their opportunity when they're given it. So um, Chris, I think this is an easy one for you. Um, just starting off with Jose Sarr, I think we, we covered a bit of it really, but um, yeah, just your t- quick take on Jose Sarr's performance. I just want to know where the knocky from last Tuesday night's gone when he was talking about Jose Sarr's distribution then, because there were a few foul mouth rants last Tuesday from you, Nokia, when Sarr kept kicking it out of play. <laughs> I said um, his distribution's poor, but I think his shot stopping's up there with anyone. Else. Was, was it word for word that Tyler? <laughs> you can, I can't say it even after nine o'clock. Some of the stuff he was coming out with. Um, Honestly, he rocks up late. He throws his stick around. <laughs> we make picking, but that's what we're here to do. It's not. It's not happening every now and again, is it? It's basically every time he has the ball now. I mean, the one that was tried to find the strike, uh, find the striker. I saw that coming last week. I mean, it was so obvious he was going to do it. He had it in his arms and he threw it to Neto when Neto's got two men tied to him and we give possession away. Something's got to change because his distribution is is, is getting worse. Because he, 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 looks, he looks to me, Tyler, though, like he can kick a good ball. I just think it's his decision-making that's that's worse than his kicking. But there's a couple seconds off where they're, they're just going out of play. They're nowhere near anybody. And I know, like I said, I don't want to be critical and, and I, don't, I don't want to be at all, but Nock is right. As goalkeepers go, he's very solid. His shot stopping great. He's just got to work on it. He's got to get it better, hasn't he? You know, we had Matt Murray, didn't we? And he couldn't kick for Toffee. And, and Sars almost getting to that point now. And I'm not saying we need to play tick-attack and play from the back, but just try and find Doherty or try and find Kuna. Do you know what I mean? Just try and find them. But well, that, out, that we talked about this, that out ball for Doherty, when he's playing left wing back or right wing back, there isn't many six foot fullbacks that head the ball as good as he mm. does. He does not lose. He's nine out of 10 with his headers. Surely that's your out of field. If, if you can't pass, if you've been squeezed high, that's your ball. Him and Den Doherty used to rotate yeah. that and used to do it every week. Yeah, and Brentford away was a clear tactic where they did that. And did really well. So I don't know. But I mean, one of us three could have probably played in goal last night, really, couldn't we? He, he had very little to do, and that's you know, you, 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 that's more of a compliment to the three in front of him, isn't it? Really, I thought we protected very well last night. Yeah, those in front of him did very, very well. While we're on the subject of the front three, Nocky, tell me, talk me through one by one the back three: Max Kilman, Toti Gomez, and the king of West Bromwich, uh, Craig Dawson. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, there were. There were... Very solid. They they screen the def- they screen the goalkeeper well. I thought they had a lot of protection in front of them. Uh, Lamina for me sat very comfortably in front of that back that back line and protected it well. Um, I was a little bit in the mindset that Bueno would be very unlucky to be dropped. So my head said I thought if anyone was going to come out of that team, it would potentially be Toti out of that back line because it, I just felt Bueno would earn his spot. But Toti what, had would a you, just, what, would, what would you have done then? Would you have kept Max because he seems to like Max on that side? I would have put Max over on the left um, and I'd have stuck Dawson in the middle and Bueno on the right. That, that's what I would have done, but I probably would have been wrong because I wouldn't get to clean sheet. Um, and that's not saying that I want Toti dropped. I just felt that out of the three that were there, if you're going to bring Dawson back in, which you're going to, I felt Totti was maybe the one who wasn't quite at it the last few games. He was the one who was probably vulnerable, but he had an outstanding game. He, he was, he, he didn't, I, I think this is a sort of game for him because he didn't have to do a lot of thinking. Everything was very reaction, very instant. Win the ball, give it away, just get the tackle, give the ball up for you. You know, it was just there wasn't any long thought processes, which are where I think he kind of struggles a little bit when he's got a little bit of time on the ball. He was just very, very efficient. He shut the space down well. Positional sense, I thought was excellent. So he had he had a, he had a top performance. He was probably the best of the three for me. Um, Dawson just slipped back in, didn't he? Pretty imperious. Um, and Max Kilman, I thought, other than the booking. Um, which was pretty rash, to be fair. But other than that, I thought he was he was very very solid. But I don't think they had a great deal to do. I think because of the system we were playing, the the, the positional sense of everybody, especially having Lamina back, 
I think Lamina, when he screens in games like that and he sits in front of the of the back line, he offers so much protection, and, and that was real. That was a real asset for me in that game. But I thought that they all they all played well without having to do a great deal. Yeah, just there was, there was a few comments. I mean, I, I, I did my team prediction and I fluked getting eleven out of eleven. A lot of people saying, "Oh, you can't drop Santi," and to agree, it's hard to drop someone that's playing well. But Craig Dawson showed that if he's fit, he has to play. He's Wolves' most consistent defender. In, in the middle yeah. of those those two, of, uh, in the middle of Toti and Max Kilman, it's very rare that Dawson hardly makes a mistake, never mind has a bad game. So I, I thought it was great again. I mean, they're very dangerous from corners. There's some big punters at the back from them. He dealt with that. I think they've dealt with all the free kicks really well. I think there was one when Jose Sarr sort of caught flipped it over the bar. I'm not really sure what he was trying to do, but it, we, we got away with it. But otherwise, I thought the centre-backs were, for using one of Tyler's better words, imperious. They're, they're heading and the, the clearances were absolutely fantastic. Um, Tyler, moving on to the wing-backs, uh, Nelson Semedo, who I thought was magnificent, and Matt Doherty. I thought Semedo was good, yeah. I, I wouldn't overdo it. I think the block, the block second half was outstanding. You know, yeah. that was an outstanding piece of defending. Getting your leg around there. Yeah, just the, because he was the wrong side and to get the blocking, that, it's as good as a goal, that is, because that's him, isn't it? And, and you are 1-0 down there, and that was brilliant. Um, he is starting to be a bit more consistent now, isn't he? That's what I'm liking from Samado. I think before we've always said he's got that ability, but he's a bit inconsistent. His defending now is... It, it's up there, isn't it? You know, it, it really is from, from right-backs. He's always going to have the question mark. I mean, he scored obviously in the week against Brentford. He's always going to have the question mark going the other way until his stats potentially approve. But he's he's all day out right back, isn't he? You know, by far the best right back at the club and and really kicking on defensively. And Doherty, I liked it. You know, I thought he really did a really good job. I, I liked the little clip balls he was playing into the channels. I thought he didn't shy away from anything. I mean, did they get down that side? I, I can't no, recall. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, Knock is right about Toti and Doherty. I mean, you're sort of on paper thinking all oh, crikey against Brighton, but they were both to a man excellent. So, you you can't fault the fullbacks at all. That I thought they were brilliant, and, and I liked how Doherty just made a solid on that side, like Knocker said, and it enabled whether it was Neto or Sarabia on that side, you know, to to not worry so much about coming back the other way and and being there for the counter attack. I think it suited Doherty as well because they sit at the they didn't play with a lot of width. So a lot of their players are forced to cut inside and then you're forcing Doherty onto his stronger foot, which probably actually played to our favour because the one thing I wouldn't want with Doherty there is someone pushing it on, his, on the outside of him and going down. Yeah. vulnerable to that. So to have him being forced onto his stronger side and he, he didn't look troubled all night. So um, moving on to the midfield, I'm going to give you one each because I think they both need talking about Noki, tell me about Tommy Doyle. I didn't notice him all that much in the game, but but looking back on it now, I've realised he had an absolutely fantastic game. He got one off the line. Um, he, he just seems to... He has an ounce of calmness about him. He has an ounce of... He, he always seems to be in space. He can see a pass. He never seems worried. He never seems troubled. He just... He's a very, very composed footballer and his distribution is excellent. He's always looking forward. He's looking for the pass. He's always looking to, mm. to get us on the front foot. And... Uh, you know, He's a Man City thoroughbred, isn't he, from their youth academy, well, you can see. You can tell when those players have come through them kind of academies, can't you? Because he's just a natural footballer. He knows exactly what yeah. he wants to do. And and for the money we're talking about for signing him, he's the, the biggest no-brainer in football to get that deal done as soon as we can because he's such a, a talented player. And, and I think the, the biggest kind of compliment I can pay him is I don't see Gomez getting back into this side at the moment. I think that's Doyle's shirt now, and I think Gomez has got to get it off him. But no, Noki... What a fantastic position to be in. We didn't really, yeah. we saw Tommy Doyle Ipswich. It was all right. It wasn't a great performance at Ipswich, but he came on, he had a few cameos. I think he came on the game at Bournemouth. He changed the game. He sort of sped things up. We took advantage of being a man, having a man advantage there. But since he's broke into the team from obviously the unfortunate circumstances of Mario Lamina, Tommy Doyle's been one of Wolves' most consistent players, I would argue, over the last few weeks. And he's, he's really stepped up. I mean, Tyler at Brentford, he was. He was holding Wolves together. One man in midfield be there. Three was yeah. absolutely fantastic. But he's a young lad as well. I mean, it's hard to forget that, you know, he's come from Man City, yeah, but he didn't play for them. And, you know, he's been at, he was at Sheffield United and he played for them. This is his first real assault on the Premier League. And he's a kid learning his trade. And to be at the level he's at now, 
And he does give you the, he's not at Matinho's level at the moment, but he gives you that kind of feeling, that air of calmness, that someone who can just put the foot on the ball. Being and tidy, yeah. Yeah, he can I, look I think that he's one in my, space. One of my favourite things about Matinho that I described him, I think he was a relentlessly good decision maker. You didn't yeah. see Matinho make rush passes. If if the crossfield pass was on or the through ball was on, he would do it. But otherwise, 95% of the time, it was pass, 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 pass. And it was a good decision maker. So, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying there. He's, you can see the obvious pass and he always seems to play it and find it quickly. Um, what, what I would say, though, to, to give some balance, I thought Doyle started the game a little bit slowly. In fact, I thought quite a few of the midfielders were a little bit loose in possession, probably the first 10 minutes until we got our second breath. But after that, I thought Doyle was fantastic. Um, Tyler... Moving on to Mario, who again I thought was a little bit slow starting the game in possession, but again when he got his second wind, he was he was back to himself. Yeah, totally agree. I think there's a bit of rust there, isn't there? He's had a good few weeks off, hasn't he? And yeah, he what he was loose and sloppy with the ball, sort of first twenty minutes, half an hour or so. But I thought second half he was outstanding. He was doing that body position where he just looks and makes it look so. Yeah. You think how's he got the ball and <laughs> they don't even know how he's hit the ball off them and on with Knocker, I I, I don't see how you, you change that too now. I, I don't see it. I think Doyle has earned his share and I think it's his to lose now. And Mario's always your pick, isn't he? He's always gonna play and they do seem to complement each other. I think what we we talked about earlier in the season, Gomez and Lamina, the one criticism is they can be seen as fairly similar in how they play and how they approach the game. Doyle just gives you that little bit of nous and that bit of creativity that, that Noki mentioned. And, and for me, it's it's a nice partnership and I think it's one that I'd like to see for a bit longer, really. Absolutely. Well, it's a great problem to have. We were talking about Joe Gomez earlier on, was probably one of Wolves' best players at the start of the season. He was starting to show his range of passing a bit more. We all know he's about his tenacity, celebrating tackles, blocks. Very, very good footballer. A little bit of a silly challenge, but a little bit unfortunate at Brentford. But it's it's offered an opportunity to Tommy Doyle, who's taking it. But if you've got someone like that coming back in, it's got to keep the it's going to keep Mario and Tommy both on there. And I've got to be honest, from what I've seen from all three, I'm comfortable with the pairing of any of them because we've seen I think all of them paired at some stage, and it's been good results. I think Mario is the main man, and it's one of the others. But for now, I would I would agree that I think it's it's Tommy's shirt. But um, just one thing. Just about you make a good point about when, you know, we've seen it before, when a, when a position becomes available, we haven't seen people really own it. And I think Santi Bueno's done it. I think he's been excellent when he's come in. And like Mark said, he was unlucky to be dropped. Doyle's made it his own. You know, Sarabia's come into the I'd team. I'd argue that Doty's improving slowly week in, week out. Yeah. And that's what I mean. That, that makes you think that something good's happening there because they're coming in and they're having an impact and they're feeling part of it. And I think... You know, J-Lo had his positives, he kept us up, but we seemed to lose a bit of that, didn't we? The players seemed to be a bit low on confidence or they weren't quite sure, but Gary's just made them all want to be in. And I think you make a great point. If someone comes in, it's their shirt to lose then. So fair mm -hmm. play to them. Absolutely. One final thing on Mario before we talk about the forwards. Um Considering he's, he's, he had a touch of the Spurs about it, you could see he was like, should I make the run? He made the run. And then his first yard of pace, he's pushed it back. Um, Van Beck, is it? He pushed it vastly and he's, he's pinged it at the keeper. But to have that kind of desire and energy, you've had a couple of weeks away, you're not yourself. I just love Mario Lamina. I mean, me and Naki, we talk, we've been singing about, and I know you love him as well now, Tyler, but that, but guy, in that, that guy in that team, he, he's, he's improved so much. But that's almost the point. He wasn't doing that under. No, you're right. He absolutely wasn't. And now he's got that free reign. We think, you know what? I can get beyond the striker, and he's he's added goals this season. And yeah, I could be player of the season. There's a few to talk about, but he's 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 the one. You are right that that has to go with one of the other two, definitely. Yeah, he's very much missed the Wolves at the moment. Him and Dawson for me, first names on the team sheet. Team sheet. They're just. They've got the fire in the belly. They're good decision makers and Wolves just look better, a better side for them both in there. Um, Noki, taking the performance levels down a bit. Tell me about Pablo Sarabia. He struggled a little bit. Um, I'm, I think we've had a conversation about Sarabia, that he's a bit of a conundrum because there's certain games that he fits and there's certain games he doesn't. He needs space and he needs time. And he needs Wolves to be in a position where we're 
were advancing with the ball. I, I don't think that game was ever really going to suit him yesterday because when Wolves had the ball and when we were attacking, it was always going to be a break. It was always going to be trying mm. to hit Neto, trying to hit Cunha and, and, and break with speed. He's not going to really affect games like that. But I don't. I think, as Chris said, he didn't hide, and there was moments where he linked us up really well. So he did his job. But he did what he was there to do. You let Cunha, you let Neto attack, and then he sits maybe as a a little bit of a backup, tucking in behind. You could see him dropping into the, maybe the number ten position, letting those two advance, and then he's your extra cover in midfield. So he did the job he was there to do. Um, but I, you know, I don't think it was a bad performance at all. I just think that when you're playing a West Brom as we're going to come on to, I know, at the end of this. But when, you, when you're playing someone like that, where you know you're probably going to have more of the ball and you're probably going to dictate the play a little bit more, that's when you want him because he's the man who's finding the pockets of space, he's finding the pass, and he's giving you that that option, that, that different kind of dynamic to your team. But when you're in a game like that where it's all going to be fast-paced, 100 miles an hour break, trying to break their lines and getting behind them, he's just not going to be... He's just not going to be as effective. But I, I, as I say, I don't think it was a bad performance. I just don't think it was it was ever yeah, going to be a game he was going to affect. No, it didn't, it didn't suit him. Um, Tyler, tell me about Pedro Neto. Yeah, loved it. It, it was like he'd never been away to a point, wasn't it? And what can you say about him? You know, we, we sort of said again in the past, haven't we, that, oh, you know, is he going to kick on? Is he going to find the level that his potential's promised? But he certainly has. I mean, they're terrified of him, aren't they? All opponents are terrified of him. Second half, there was a chance he'd have been one with one with Dunk, wasn't it? And Dunk just flew in because he was terrified that if he'd have nicked it and got in front of him. Um, could have had a goal, you know, if Steele wasn't a little bit lucky with, with his yeah, dive. I, yeah, I think I think Brighton got away with one there and I don't think Pedro looked up. If Pedro looks up, I think he puts that in the, in the near post. So there's a bit of... A, a, a bit of fortune, misfortune from us and a bit of for, for, fortune from them. But one thing, Todd, that I, did, I find interesting, I don't know if you noticed this as well about Neto, um, I think he really managed his energy levels. He didn't press a lot. When there's an opportunity to stand still for 30 seconds and catch a breath, um, obviously we're not expecting players to relentlessly press, but you could see he would... Yeah. If there was something that you could chase when you're fully fit, you could see him take 30 seconds to himself. And I thought yeah. that was smart because obviously he's under instruction. Otherwise, he'd have burnt out after... An hour, but I thought that was really smart from him and, and good planning from Wolves as well. Yeah, um, I didn't expect him to, to long as to last as long as he did, to be honest. Yeah. So that's that's credit to him, but also credit to what we've talked about with O'Neill and, and the fitness team, how they've you know managed him back into the team because it would have been very easy, especially with Juan going to throw him back in and, mm. and rush back, but they haven't. And I think you touched upon it earlier because of the players have stepped up, we haven't necessarily it sounds stupid, but haven't necessarily missed him from a results um, viewpoint, but to have him back and firing is just massive, isn't it? He's arguably been one of the form players in the whole league this season. Oh, absolute handful. If we keep him fit for the rest of the season, then then, then who knows? Um, last but not least uh, of the starting players, Noki, uh, Matthias Cunha, I think he was all right. I think he'll be frustrated that he probably didn't score, um, but it wasn't a bad performance from him at all. I thought he played well, and there was a rundown. In, I think it was in the in the first half where he broke down the left wing, and he just kept going and going. I think the ball bounced off his thigh, he span, he took it away down the touchline. Beautiful, yeah. And, and the ball across was the right ball, but he just didn't quite get it right in terms of delivery. I thought Neto should have gone and met that because Neto, Neto looked like he was running away. I thought if he'd have gone to the near post, yeah. Neto would have probably had a chance then. Yeah, maybe so. But I thought in terms of his ball carrying was excellent. He was always an option. He was always looking to to get into space and give us, you know, a little bit of space, a little bit of movement. I, I thought he played well against a team that that are very good defensively. And look, he's not, a game like that, he's not going to get many opportunities. You're probably going to get two, maybe three chances and maybe one clear-cut chance in a game. And, and it's always going to be a bit of a challenge because you're going to spend most of it defending. But he was he was a live wire. He was, he was very active. And I, I thought he had a good game. Um, that that confirms and ties up the player performances. Um, we're going to just have a, a quick chat about the transfer window. Um, in the press conference, uh, Tyler, Gary alluded to uh, another forward coming in and it, it seemed to me like he felt quite confident. It was almost like, I know what's happening, don't worry about it, it'll be fine. And I think we're all at the stage now, he's not expecting anybody to leave. I think Johnny's going to Without that's confirmed, he's going to get his contract terminated, some kind of agreement there. He'll be gone. Mascara's gone. He's had a good move. 
But it feels to me like now it'll just be a striker on loan coming in. Having watched Wolves and how they've evolved in the last month or two, is, is that enough for us? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, you have been quite open and said, I'm liking what I'm seeing and, and I don't really think that needs to change too much. I think everyone's harping on about this number nine, but this number nine doesn't get in the team. He's, he's going to be starting from the bench. So you, you're looking for someone who suits that profile. And there's been a lot of talk about Chay Adams and, and Danny Ings, but I might be wrong, but are Southampton going to let him go when his form's picked up and, and they're flying? Contract, con- contract up in June and available for six million. Yeah, someone comes up with six million, but then is someone going to come up with six million when he's free in a few months? I'm not mm-hmm. sure on that one. Danny Ings has worked his way back into the West Ham side, started at the weekend. I don't know, is, is my honest thought. Unless it's someone out of the blue, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I would be happy with either of those two options. Um but I'm a little bit like, well, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And and there's five very good forward options at the club when when Van comes back in. And it's been the best forwards return we've had for as long as I can remember. So, well, it's, since the Jimenez honest, today, it's by a mile. If no one comes in, to be honest, I'm I'm quite comfortable with that. And I don't, I didn't think I'd be saying that, but I'm fairly comfortable with it. Lucky, there seems to be quite a hunger for a, a classic number nine and let's not forget Wolves are three points off a European place and they're not really playing with a number nine all season is it particularly that goal scorer to give us an option that we need or would you be happy with another forward that contributes like the rest I think we've got forwards who are very similar I think you know Bellegarde Neto Sarabia maybe slightly different Cunha but they're all very they're all pacey they're all going to look to get in behind they're all going to look for that run to dart into the box and, and finish and I think we lack in maybe a different dynamic at times. It's, it's caught us out at, you know, Sheffield United where we couldn't really change the game. Fulham, arguably, we we, we could have done with doing something a little bit different. So I, I feel like it's the right decision to bring in a number nine. Um, with financial fair play, we, we can't go out and buy one. So you would suggest it's going to be a loan with potentially an obligation or a option to buy at the end of it. I, I don't think we'd be looking to spend money this this point of the season so I think it would be nice to have something different from the bench um, but I've no idea who that player is going to be because Che Adams would have been your natural choice but if I'm Southampton now I'm, I'd rather lose him for a free and, and get, get, get yourself second place in the league, league yeah because yeah, he's there to lose now isn't it so if you do, you do you take a little bit of cash to and risk that I'm not so sure they will so I, I've no idea who that player is going to be but I just think sometimes you need a little bit of different impact from the bench. You need to be able to change a game. And although we've got very effective strikers and, and I'm with Chris, if we don't bring anyone in, I'm not, I'm not going to complain, uh, but I don't quite think Fraser's ready for that yet. I'd kind of like to see him go out on loan and get some minutes. Cause I think there is a, an exceptional footballer there, but he's at that stage of his career where he'll give you 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes of impact. Then you're going to be carrying him in the, in the nicest sense of the word, because he's, he's not developed his game yet to, to, be a constant impact so I think minutes for him is more important than him staying with us so I think it's probably the right decision if we if we do get a number nine in. if it's a natural number nine not another player who, who is going to affect us from wide positions I'd want a natural number nine someone just standing in the middle of the goal and put the ball in the net If I was a betting man I would say if Wolves are going to sign anybody on loan I would say it's most likely to be Danny Ings um, yeah. I've just got that feel about it we've been linked with him before um, I've We've been talking to him in the group chat about it and I'll eat humble pie if he smashes a load of goals in. I would say it was, I could say, only Sheffield, but he was very good against Sheffield. He was probably their best player. I think he got, I think he got man of the match on Scoil BT where he was on. Wasn't so good on the Tuesday before um, against Bristol City, but he did play very well the weekend. And he's certainly that sort of fox-in-the-box character. Um, not that he, he hasn't scored a goal for 10 months, but you could see he's that player that's getting those opportunities that... Only probably Huang does for us now. So um, let's see. A, a question popped up on the timeline. Um, I usually pre-plan the questions because I put it on my Twitter. But this is this one from Matt's an absolute belter and I really like it. Um, who are your unsung heroes in this Wolves team so far, guys, in your opinion? It's a great question, Matt. Um, as always, the show is recorded live and you can put your questions um, via X stroke Twitter or Facebook and we can get them on the show uh, there. Um, I'll start off, guys, if you want to have a think. Um Considering, I mean, it's, it's not an unsung hero because we're talking about his praises, but 
a special shout out for Ryan Nori that if Lopetegui was here, he'd have probably been sold now. Um, so the influence that Ryan Nori has on games and the balance and that constant out ball because that kid will take the ball in possession absolutely anywhere. Somewhere that he has split opinions, but I, I think he's probably having his best few months um, at Wolves now and he looks like he's maturing as a footballer and he, he does get praised. So he's probably not an unsung hero because I think it's probably hard to pick that because I think everyone's had their praise individually. But for me, the person that you've, well, considering when he was close to being sold and he was being bombed out of the team by Lopetegui, um, my praise will be for Ryan Aitnori. Okay. I don't think there are any unsung heroes because I think the, the players who are playing are all getting the recognition. If, if we're if we're talking the most important player in the team, for me, it's, it's Mario Lamina. I think he's the one who makes such a difference to us. But in terms of unsung heroes, you, you could argue Santiago Bueno because he came in and, and did a good job for us. But I think the players are getting the recognition they deserve because of the performances they're putting in. So I think it's a fantastic question, but I can't think of anyone in that team who's probably not getting their recognition they deserve in all honesty. Tyler? Um, I'm going to answer it the same way Noki did because I agree that they are all getting the praise. But I think for me, it'd be Mateus Kuna. I think if he doesn't play, we're a different team. I think arguably the others, you can sort of look replaced. But if he's not in the team, he'd be the biggest miss for me. So I think he's currently our, our most important player, which sort of answers Matt's question, hopefully. Matt, that's a great question. Thank you for being part of this week's show. Um, we've got a couple of other questions uh, then before we preview uh, Sunday's game. Uh, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek question, maybe. Last Graham Cope says, has Gary O'Neill made J-Lo J look like a PE teacher? Well, let's let's have a little bit of praise for what Gary O'Neill has done so far. He's over can halfway through. Sorry, because I, I saw this question earlier. Can I spin it round? Yeah. Would Gary O'Neill have kept us up at Boxing Day last season when we had 10 points from however many games? I'm going to say yes, because he's got... I, don't, I don't think he does. I he's... think J-Lo, for what we wanted at that time, was exactly the right man. Yeah, maybe. It's, it's, a great, right. It's, it's, it's a great spin, but you've avoided the question. But anyway... <laughs> I, I think... I'll, I'll put a spin on that as well. I think... I, I don't... I'm not so sure he would have kept us up, but what I do think, though, I think he's made... J-Lo looked very, very stupid because he came out and said he can't get any more out of this team unless you're going to throw a load of money at it, basically. And he basically and, suggested relegation with his set of players, didn't he? Yeah, they? and we, we lost Neves, we lost Matinho, we lost Raul, we lost Traore. Big lost characters. Players, and a lot of players gone. And Gary O'Neill's come in and he's, he's arguably took us to another level. So I, I'm not sure... J-Lo looks like a PE teacher, but he, he did a fantastic, yeah. he did an absolutely phenomenal job for us, keeping us, us in the division. Oh, yeah, respect to that for keeping it, no but, problem. Yeah, Tyler. but I think Gary O'Neill's probably pushed us further than J-Lo was, was willing to do without a budget. I, I think J-Lo just didn't want to be here, and that's fair yeah. enough. And he, he's a manager that obviously wants money and, and cash to spend, and, and we didn't have that, but... You've got to give Jalo huge credit. You know, you guys have been waxing lyrical about Craig Dawson and Mario Lamina, who brought him them to the club. Mm. You know, you can criticise the fact he might want to replace Ryan Aitnori, but he's brought in two absolute heroes. So I, I, I don't know. I, th I think he gets. It's a great question. It is obviously a bit tongue in cheek, but I wouldn't have wanted Gabriel O'Neill at the time we brought Jalo in, but now he's a hundred percent the right man for what we need. Absolutely. Thanks for being part of the show, Graham. Re really, really good question. Uh, moving on to uh, Chris Chisnell. With Doyle playing so well, how does Joe Gomez get back in the side v Man United? Who is the better player or can we accommodate all three? Great question again. I, I don't see, unless Doyle played further up and I don't think he's got the legs for that in our system. I think it's two of the three, but I think we kind of covered this earlier on, guys. It's what a great position to be in. You've got three players all on form, all playing well. Great problems to have. Yeah, I, I, I mean, in terms of who's the better player, I, I think they're, they're different players in what they do. They're, they're very different players. So I don't think it would be fair to say who's the better player. Um, in terms of the three, I, I feel like we would affect ourselves if we did that because the three attackers we've got give you width and pace and you're going to probably sacrifice one of them in, in order to bring three in. So it's got to be two from three. And I think you've got to go by who's 
in the best form at the moment. And for me, Doyle and Lamine has got to be your two. Although saying that, Gomez is a very, very good player. and But he's only going to help because it's only going to spur on the other two to try and keep the shirt because they know he's going to be, he's going to be waiting for that opportunity to get back in. And what I would say as well is because we have got quite a tenacious midfield, I'd expect a couple more suspensions. Mm. So when you've got that player, they are no one's going to be frozen out and stay because Jago is going to book, Mario's going to get booked, and Doyle gets stuck in as well. So natural opportunities will occur because of the of the way we play. Yeah. Um, Chris, thank you for being part of the show. Um, Carlos, what was your points target when you were expecting from 21 games? I mean, for me, I was aiming for I was <laughs> I thought if we get double figures, I'll take that. I mean, I said at the start of the season, I think I said 12th. You guys were a little bit close to the bottom. But in reality, after 21 games, I'd have been looking at getting 21 points because I think if you go a point per game, that probably keeps you up. That would have been my target, guys. Same, yeah. I always say get to 40, which is roughly a point a game. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that eight points better off than I thought we'd be, yeah. Yeah, you okay. want to win 20 by Christmas. I always think if you can get to 20 by Christmas, you give yourself a chance. Um I think what I, my target would obviously have been twenty plus. My expectation was a lot lower than that, so it's a it's a reflection of of what they've managed this season. Absolutely, um, thank you, Carl, for being part of the show. Um, interesting one. We have covered this a bit, but it's it's a question up there from Paul Nichols. Uh, where do you finish with and without a number nine coming in? That this is a tough one because, I mean, I, I spoke <coughs> excuse me, I spoke to Daz earlier on about this as well. How much of a nine coming in is, and having a nine that's down the middle completely all the time, how much is that going to change our system? Is that going to change how fluid we are now? I mean, <clears throat> Tyler, horses for courses, but is it going to make a lot of difference or is it nice to have that option for when we need when we need someone? If we're pressing a team and we can't get a goal? Yeah, I, th- I think Nocky covered that in the fact it will give you a different option. <laughs> to answer Paul's question... I don't know. I still think we're like 10th to 12th. I, I still see that's where we are. I think the top five is done. There's an argument that, you know, beat Man United, you, you join level with them. Can you kick on and, and can you do it? I, I don't know. I, I don't think we're over, we are probably overachieving, but we probably are. And can you do that over the course of the season? I don't know. It's going to take a hell of a lot to break that top eight or seven for me. So, but who knows? Beat, beat United and you, you're right in it. You're literally right in it for that seventh spot. Well, so. four, four points to right on Man United is, would be absolutely enormous. I mean, just to just to finish off on Paul's question, um, I would like a nine because I don't think you can let Sasha go in, who was a different kind of option, and Fabio, who had his chance and it, it, didn't, it didn't work out. I do think we need to bring in that option, whether it's Danny Ings, Chad Adams, whether there's a surprise. And I think... He, he's been linked. I, I don't know if that's right. the Chelsea forward, Broher. He's uh, been linked. Broher, yeah. He, I mean, I, I like him, but they're talking about obligations of 35 million. I mean, Chelsea are with all their business anyway, and they can spend it however they want, but they're massively inflating the market anyway. And trying to charge 35 million for a player of that that's, I don't know if he's got one goal or two goals this season, it's, it's just outrageous money, but it's their player and they can charge what they want. But if there is someone come in, though, I, th- I do think we need that. Okay. I think just on Paul's on Paul's point there, I mean, there's an argument that because of Kalajic, we were what four points better off because he came mm. on at Everton and he scored. He came again against Brentford and he scored uh, against Bournemouth and he scored. So a number nine does give you a different dynamic when you need it. I'm kind of with Chris. I feel like tenth is the tenth is probably our ceiling this season. That's what it feels like to me. I feel like we'll probably be around about where we are, be between 11th and probably 13th. That's kind of where I think we'll be this season. And, and I don't think that's that's bad at all. I think that gives us a building block for next season. But the, the teams above us, there's some good teams up there and it's it's difficult to think we'll get more points in them between now and the end of the season. Yeah, tough one. But look at the run of form we're on. Uh, look who we've got. Let's just take one game at a time. And I know next league game is Man United, but... We have a massive game to deal with first. Um, let's just take one more question um, before we talk, before we preview that game. Uh, Jonah asks, do you think uh, a five at the back is the way forward now? A four has lost Wolves a clear identity in the past and made us slow down allowing pressure. Um, we, we were all advocates of back four. Um, I think we're more advocates for what, as long as Wolves are winning, to be honest. But 
Mm. Wolves have sort of refound an identity, whether they've fallen upon it now, but they do have an identity. We know how we're going to press, we know how we're going to break. So for now, I think with this set of players, I, I wouldn't be changing it at all. That would be a way to get a striker into the team, to drop a centre-back and go with that. Why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Are, are you guys of the, the same kind of feeling as me on that? Yeah, yeah. So, certainly for this season. The other interesting thing is it's the the flip side is it's the way of getting Doyle, Gomez and Lamina in as well if you went to a 4-3-3. I just think the way we are at the moment and the players we have, we suited to... to, to I mean, it is a bit of a hybrid sometimes. We do sometimes go into a four without, you know, with or without possession. But I think for the players we've got and where we are now, it's um, it's a no-brainer. But I don't see any reason why we could never play with a back four. Do you know what I mean? We, we should be able to, so. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of tried it at Sheffield United when we move over Toti to left-back and he just didn't work. Now, that's not Toti's fault. I don't think he's a left-back. I think, he's, I think he, for me, he's a, a left-sided centre-back of a three and you... Your fullbacks now, modern fullbacks, I think, have to be of a certain level of technical ability. And I don't think that suits Toti, no fault of his own. But for now, um, I'm, I'm sticking with the wingbacks. It's 3-4-3. It's, three, three. it's defend with tenacity. It's break with pace and battle. And, it, and it's working. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not changing it. Um, thanks for the questions. Uh, massive part of the show. We really enjoy uh, putting on, testing us and putting on our, putting us on our back foot and on our toes for that. Um, moving on to the final part of the show. On Sunday at 11.45, there's a game on ITV involving West Bromwich Albion and Wolverhampton Wanderers. It has got the nerd, the hair standing up on the back of my neck just talking about it. It's been a long time. The last time Wolves obviously won there, I think it was 1996. Uh, I was commentating for a blind friend of mine. Wolves won 4-2 uh, with a Ewan Roberts hat-trick. Um, since then, I've got married. We've all got married and had children and all, and all kinds of things. It has been a long time. But, Noki, I know you're probably the fiercest of the, th- the trio on the podcast. What does this game mean to you? <laughs> it's just horrible, isn't it? You deserve hor- that question. It, it's a horrible fixture. I mean, I've, I was there like you when we, when we beat them all them years ago. I certainly didn't think it would be, what, 27 years later and we, we haven't won at that ground. It's just... I really want to win this one. I mean, I'm, I'm going with my dad, which is a massive liability anyway. He's, he's eating raw <laughs> meat and razor blades at the minute in preparation for the game. So it's... there's. I know a lot of the, the Wolves fans who've maybe a little younger generation will, will probably see Villa as more of a rival. For me, it's still absolutely West Brom. They're the team I want to, I want to beat. And, I, and I've got... You know, I've got mates who are West Brom fans and there's nothing would give me greater pleasure than absolutely turning up there and just pulling their pants down on their own ground because we owe them one. We've had some horrendous days there. I remember the season where they beat us, was it five times? But it knocked us out the playoffs, knocked us out the cup. We beat them once in the league. Jay, Jay Broth always scored on a 1-0 win. They beat us yeah. away and they beat us twice in the playoffs. Yeah, and they're, 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 you know, every time we played them, other than the, the, the games in lockdown, they were the better team. They had a better squad of players. This is the first time arguably with supporters in the last kind of... You, you're probably going back to when Stephen Fletcher scored and we beat him 3-1 at Molyneux. This is probably, that I was the last time we had, too, yeah. we had the better team than them. Um, so, man for man, we should we should butcher them. It should be a no contest, but it's a local derby. It's, it's going to be a ferocious atmosphere. It's going to be hideous in that ground. And, and it's just... I'd love to think the Wolves could just put them to bed early and enjoy the rest of the game, but you know it's probably not going to unfold that way. It's gonna, it's just going to be an awful, an awful game. But it, it's one that if we can't beat them now, you may as well give it up because we, we're never going to have a better opportunity to beat them. And honestly, I'll get banned from Twitter if we win that game because I'll go absolutely deep into it if we win this. So it, 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 it'll be, it'll be fantastic to win this game and, and really just put a few demons to bed. Tyler Nocky's obviously sitting on the fence. He doesn't seem like he's really bothered about it. But it's this is such obviously my, my family and generations are from Wolverhampton. I don't live there now. My family don't, don't live there now. But this game means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to you as well. But for those guys that work in that area as well, when they're crossing over Wolves and West Brom, this is a huge game for our fan base. And I just think it's got such a massive build-up to it. I genuinely believe that this is, I, I don't know what the score will be, although I'm going to give you a nice prediction at the end. 
I feel really good about this game. Are, are you sharing that positivity, or, or, or is are you not? Or oh no. <laughs> On what, on, what, on what basis are we being positive? You've just said we haven't been there for nearly 30 years. And we haven't played them there for a lot, with fans for a long time. So, but I, I'm absolutely, I, I still have horrors about the Molyneux 3 2. Oh, that, that... That, that's the worst one for me because, like Nocker said, they were better than us in those championship years. Mm. But how they beat us 3 2 at Molyneux, I, I, still, I still have nightmares now. And I, I don't know. I, I'd like to be as positive as you, Pat, but I think I've just been burned too many times by it. Knocker's right, player for player. It's not really a contest, is it? And if Neto and Kuna and Bellegarde, and if they turn up, you'd like to think we could win the game, but I, I, I just can't be confident. Maybe that's the pessimist in me, but it's probably just too much years of, of being done by them and ugh, are we ever going to beat them? But... I don't know. I've got a sneaky feeling it might go to replay. You know, I've just got a sneaky feeling it'll be a draw and we beat them at Molyneux, but that's how I see it. But what a horrible thing to say, Nocky. I've like like the said I am, and to, to my wife discussed. I watch a lot of football and I watched the West Brom game the weekend just to have a little look to against Norwich, just to see what we were coming up against. And West Brom played with quite a high line and they started quite well against Norwich, and then as soon as Norwich scored, they sort of faded, and then Norwich were the better side, but. Are West Brom going to tuck in against Wolves? I just don't see it. They don't play that way. I think we're going to have a really open game of football. I think they'll sit deeper. I think they'll sit a lot deeper because they know mm. they know what we're going to do. It's so they're going to change a whole. They're going to change a whole philosophy for the whole season and just and not come it's, at us. It's not about changing philosophy. It's just about being a little bit more sensible defensively. And I just think they'll drop back five ten yards because they're not going to allow space in behind. Because if we have space in behind, it's probably going to be. Neto, Cunha and Bellegarde, that's what I would do because I think it's pace that potentially wins the game. I think they'll know that. I think they'll prep for that and they're going to sit deep and they're going to try and hit us on the break. They've got a bit of pace in Thomas Asante. What they haven't got at the back is pace. They are they are stiff and rigid at the back. And there's 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 loads of space. There's loads of opportunities for us in there. And so I think they'll know that. So I think they'll sit deeper. I think they'll drop their centre-halves five, ten yards. I think they'll drop the midfielders back. And I think they'll be looking for a Santi over the top and just trying to work something on the break. I mean, they've got Jed Wallace, who's he's got a decent range of pass on him, but I'm pretty sure Tyler beat him in a race. And they've got a lot of they've got a lot of players who will do a job for you, but they're not quality players. But what they will do, they'll be efficient. They'll keep a shape. And they, they did push up against Norwich, and they're above them in the table, aren't they? So why wouldn't they? go into that game expecting to win it but it'd be absolute suicide to do that against Wolves and, and they've got a good manager in Corporan. I think he's a very intelligent guy so I expect them to drop deeper I expect them to tuck in I think they're going to try and starve us a space and just try and make the game horrible to the point where Wolves really start pushing on and start leaving space in behind that they can exploit so it's not going to be an open game for me I think it's going to be relatively tight unless we get that early goal if we can score in the first 15 minutes, we bring them out, then there's going to be loads of room for us to play and there's a massive opportunity. But the longer the game goes on at nil-nil, and if ever we get a first goal away, that's when it's going to become a really difficult game for us because they are going to tuck in, they'll go deeper and deeper and, and it's going to be, it's almost going to be a battle of attrition, I think. I think the, the one change that I mentioned on the group chat, I've, I've got a feeling, and I'm re- with what Naki said then, I, I think Bellegarde needs to come in for Sarabia. Now, if West Brom do tuck in, Sarabia is the guy you want to open the door because they're going to let yeah. him have space then to deliver. But if they come at Wolves, which I think they will, I personally don't see West Brom tucking in. I think they'll come. They'll come for Wolves. I want Bellegarde in the team. I want Neto in the team. I want. I want all that pace flying and countering as quick as we can. Tyler. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I'd, I'd have played him last night. I, I, as you know, I'm a big fan of Sarabia, but just get them through up front. And just try and get them on the half turn and just get them sprinting. The biggest difference between the Premier League and Championship is, Nock has just mentioned it, is pace. Pedro Neto, they won't be able to live with him. That, the Neto and Kuna pairing is what is giving me the hope that I probably haven't got. Because if them two turn up, Nock is right, they, they won't live with them pair. And I think if you add Bella Hard as well... Um, I just don't see how they, they keep those three quiet all game. But they're a different team at home. I, I know you watch them away. They're very good at home. They're, they're very well-organised, solid, hard to beat. But those three, or at least those two, are the ones that give me real hope. 
Uh, before we move on to the predictions, just a, a bit of live score update. Unbelievably, Algeria have lost their last group game and will now finish bottom and go out of the African Cup of Nations, which means now Ryan Aitnori should be on his way home. Tuesday today could be could be available yeah. for Sunday, uh, but he'll definitely be available for Man United unless they. I don't know why they will keep their squad in longer. So. Um, yeah, Algeria lost 1-0, incredibly, finishing bottom of that group. I don't know how that's happened. Um, but, I mean, I don't wish Aitnori's team any harm, but it's, that result is certainly a better thing for Wolves. And if he's back, it's uh, harsh on Doherty, but we want all our best players back. So we are now at the fun end, the business end of the show. Lockie's been dreading this all day. Lockie, Tyler, I want your prediction for West Bromwich Albion v Wolverhampton Wanderers. Lockie. I never get these right. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw in hope that I'm wrong. And I'll go for Mario Lamina for the first goal. 1-1? One, one. Wash one, your one. mouth out, young man. Tyler? He's nicked my prediction, so I'm going to be a bit more positive. And I think we win 2-0. Beautiful. Kuna with the opener. Oh, you've done it now. Good stuff. So we've got a, we've got a replay at Molyneux, which, which would be uh, probably on a Tuesday or Wednesday. That'll be horrible, but it'll be all equally, that, yeah. e equally fun. Uh, Tyler's going with Tunio and Cunha, and I'm going to go egg on my face, central, clips galore, West Bromwich <laughs> Albion nil, Wolverhampton Wanderers three. Come on, you Wolves. This has been episode 86 of the Wolves Report. Thank you to my co-hosts and pundits, Chris Tyler and Mark Nock. Hope you enjoy the game Sunday of the Wolves.